is Mercy Harper, writer for Research Services at APQC. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe to APQC Podcasts on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Today, I'm here with Rachel Hoppe, founder of Engaged Organizations, to talk about the future of knowledge management. Welcome to the podcast, Rachel. Thank you, Mercy. It's great to be here. So, Rachel, I know that you've spent years researching the role of community inside organizations, and it must be really interesting for you to reflect on what's happened over the past year and a half with the pandemic, as well as all the ideas that are bubbling up right now about how we can and should manage work in the future. Because from a knowledge management perspective, communities of practice are a mainstay and perhaps even a classic approach, something the discipline has been doing and continuously improving on for a long time. But from the outside, among all the people who don't work in KM, and especially those who don't even really know what it is, working through communities looks like a much newer and more innovative idea, something that's a lot closer to these kind of big picture, leading edge concepts around, say, uh, self-managing teams and organizational purpose circles and working out loud than it is to words like intranet. <laughs> So when you write that community management is the future of all management, I think that message might have resonated for a lot of KM people years and even decades ago, but now I reckon it resonates with a much broader audience. So that's just one reason why I'm really excited to have you on and hear your thoughts on the future of communities, the future of KM more broadly. But first, uh, Rachel, could you tell us a little bit about yourself and your journey with knowledge management? Yeah, sure. I'd be happy to. And actually, it's funny uh, because I don't self-actualize as a KM expert necessarily, although I have been working in that area for a long time. Uh, but I started my career in management consulting, doing operations for very large organizations. And then I ended up out in Silicon Valley at a startup. Uh, it was a payment startup, but we were working with a lot of the emerging social networks out there. And so that's really where I started cutting my teeth on what does it mean to um, connect people to each other and that be the primary navigation rather than the content-centric navigation. Mm -hmm. So I was really like thinking about that unstructured, unknowable uh, content and how you help people navigate that. Um, and from there, IDC hired me to be their first social software market analyst. And I was working for Sue Feldman, who is an enterprise search expert. So that's when I started getting more heavily into the KM space kind of front and center. 2009, I co-founded the Community Roundtable because I was looking at this whole space and the information and the operations and saying, this information environment and the transparency of these networks changes everything about how organizations are structured and managed. Um, and people, well, at that time, organizations were really getting excited by it, but I didn't feel like they really understood all the implications of that. Um, and once you start listening to people, you can't slam the door on that. Right? So companies were opening the garden gate and the, the gate was slamming behind them. And now they were left listening to people, but they're huge 
bureaucracies didn't have a way to rapidly respond in a meaningful way to all the input they were getting. And I would argue they still don't Mm. because the hierarchy used to help information flow and really organize that information. Now information is chaotic and that hierarchy and that process is too slow. The, the speed of information inside organizations is now a lot slower than outside. And as it speeds up externally, it's building more and more friction mm-hmm. internally. Um, so that's my journey. And then just this year, I started engaged organizations because what we were doing at the Community Roundtable is we were looking at all online communities um, because at the time, uh, we didn't know enough about online communities, period, let alone online communities that served different functions. And I suspected that community managers knew something about how to manage in these environments that everybody was going to need. And um, we got to a point a few years ago where I satisfied uh, my original goal, which was to capture how to build communities effectively and the value of communities. And so now I'm actually moving on to really focusing on the internal because I think the potential of internal communities is, while not as visible, much more transformative than externally because you're replacing things, not adding an additional channel. Absolutely. Awesome. Thank you. And um, yes, all these issues that you're talking about, I think will really resonate for folks, the current uh, information overload, the need to focus more intently on um, internal communities. So much to think about, especially for your established KM teams who are thinking about what direction to go next. Um, So what do you think should be the biggest priorities for your kind of you know, enterprise KM teams in the near term? So I have a client right now, a large tech company, and they're taking their traditional communities of practice as a lot of people have them. And uh, the way they practice those is once a month, they'd have uh, somebody present on a topic and they had a content site and they had an email list and that was about it. And it was seen as this very uh, periodic gathering. And uh, they are looking at this and saying, it's not enough to learn once a month and it's not in the flow of work. So it's not necessarily meaningful to people. You know, you go to a community practice, you hear something that's interesting, but it's not applicable to your work right now. It may be in six months, but it's not. Meaningful right now. And so they're uh, trying to bring those communities online and integrate them into the flow of work so that when someone needs to escalate an issue or ask a question that their project team doesn't know the answer to, they can access those communities right away. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, that's it. That's a pattern that I've seen in a number of clients over the last three or four years is how do we bring those traditional communities of practice into something that's more dynamic? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that is um, a priority 
Uh, if you haven't done it, that's probably one of the first places to start if you have communities already. Um, if you're already there um, and you have community teams, one of the things that I'm seeing is uh, in the last decade, we've stacked a lot of new communications and content channels, and they all have network effects, and they're all fighting against each other. Right. It's like this massive popularity contest of like, where's the center of gravity in which channel and companies have left that largely to individuals to figure out. But if it's a network effect, I as an individual can't control it. So that's not a good solution to that problem. Mm. Um, also, I as an individual doing my day job probably am not a knowledge expert. Like that's not, that's not what I do. Um, so I think there needs to be, I don't know if it, I don't know exactly what this team is necessarily called. I'm calling it community operations for the time being, but it, I think large organizations need this enabling uh, group. That's essentially an internal consulting group that can go into a business group and say, okay, I understand your landscape. I understand your work patterns. I'm going to assess kind of how well that's working. And then we're going to design together for the whole network what works well and what we're going to use for each type of behavior or content or communication. Um, and then we're going to uh, add to that some training and support for a community management discipline so that we can help change the behavior of how our unit works. So I think that's the second priority. And then the third, um, and it may not apply to the people listening to this particular podcast, uh, but I was working with the CIO and the CHRO of a really large consumer packaged goods company, and they had no KM whatsoever. And those manufacturing companies didn't used to need that. And now they do, and they're not really familiar with it. Mm. Um, and so my question to them was, well, who helps uh, employees figure out this mess? Because you've got Microsoft Teams popping up like bunnies. And like now that's worse than an overflowing inbox. You've got a hundred overflowing inboxes with a lot of duplication of content. So that's not better. Um, and they didn't have an answer to that. And so those companies that fit in that category need to invest in whether they call it KM or internal communications or community management or whatever, they need that role. Awesome. Thank you. And you've, you've pointed to a lot of different trends that are kind of emerging right now. So I want to talk about trends, but I think there's an interesting way to think of it because a lot of folks think that KM could, should kind of move beyond the sort of people to people focus and step up front as, you know, the technology enabler and really focus on enabling AI and intelligent search and all of that kind of stuff. So what's your take on that? Well, if anybody's been paying attention, we just had an explosion over at Facebook of what happens when the tech takes over. Hmm. 
uh, and it's misinformation and distrust, right? So um, I don't think you can ever solely go down the tech route. And I'm a technologist. I, I like what technology can enable, but knowledge is socially mediated. So if I uh, am overwhelmed with information coming at me from a lot of technical channels, unmediated by someone I trust, I am a little untethered in terms of reality. Like, what am I getting that's real? I don't really have a good way of navigating that. And so you have to have communities of trust. They are the container of trust, if you will. They're the container of relationships. And they help people find the appropriate content and the trustworthy content. And that's really important because trust is declining. But mm. trust is absolutely critical for moving quickly. So if you're not focused on that, no amount of technology can solve that problem. Um, so in a world where we've got a lot of technology delivering information, a lot of algorithms, a lot of AI, people who are absorbing or looking for information have to understand how that information is delivered and how it's prioritized. And so digital literacy is going to start to matter a lot more. Totally agree. Um, quick follow-up on that. Um, do you think KM plays a role in cultivating digital literacy in the workforce? And if so, what, what does that look like? What's the right avenue to do that through? Well, I think that's part of that Tiger Team Center of Excellence that I was talking about, like that consulting group. Mm. When they go to design in uh technical environments and technical agreements with a business team about where they're going to do what, educating that group about that is part of that uh, design process and then it's part of the community management process so that people kind of know uh, when to rely on an algorithm and what it can do for you versus what shouldn't rely on an algorithm based on the work that they do. Absolutely. And, and you mentioned community management. That's where I want to go next. Um, I'd love to hear your thoughts on the future of communities. Well, so it's interesting because uh, organizations are implicitly a community of sorts, right? Uh, you've got a bunch of people with a shared interest. Um, they're all working on similar objectives. Um, but it's implicit. It hasn't been explicitly managed as such. And I chuckle a little bit, and this is where COVID comes in. There's a bunch of CEOs who just want to get people back to the office. And I'm like, why do you want to get people back to the office? Like, what is it about the office that, that makes it better? And ironically, what makes it better is, uh, individuals who are not tasked to do this, but doing emotional labor and uh, connecting people in the office. Mm. And it's, it's actually interesting because a lot of the time those people get punished for that. They're not working, but they're also the people that are keeping 
keeping information flowing between people, introducing each other, making sure people get together for lunch. It's all the people who are uh, sensitive to that social environment Mm. that they sit in. And so executives would never say that. That's not how they conceive of the problem. They just know that it happens. And uh, community management, the way I conceive of it, is something that has been done for eons. But again, it's been implicit. And all really great leaders have always done a piece of it. Meaning, if you look at any great leader, they... Uh, have empowered people underneath them. They have connected people who uh, empower each other and can help each other. They're networkers, right? Um, And they do that kind of as part of their other work, but it's never been called out as this separate thing. Um, And so a lot of community management is that. The other piece of it is really... um, empowering leadership at the edges, meaning uh, not centralizing, bottlenecking, controlling, and making decisions for people in in the hierarchy, which is a bottleneck, right? We started this conversation as those bottlenecks are slowing down information. So the way to speed up information is to remove those bottlenecks. And managers then become more like community managers where they're They're managing the environment in which individuals can thrive and get what they need in terms of either information or opportunities, but they don't manage the tasks of individuals. And so then you abstract that out a little more. And what I think is so interesting is the governance structure of communities Uh, can inform how we transition the governance structure of organizations. Absolutely. I was just about to ask, you know, is it, is it kind of like, which way is the, is the flow going? Are, are leaders who, you know, want to move their companies forward, you know, into new ways of working, should they be looking at what communities do or should the communities that have been going, you know, for years and years be looking to, leaders and, and, and thought leaders outside the organization to these new ways of working to change up what they're doing. Um, do you see a little bit of that as well? Um, like changes to our kind of the traditional, you know, existing communities of practice, say around, you know, engineering or project management, do you see those also changing? Yes, because, uh, well, I had a client a few years ago uh, who had a large, a network of communities of practice in, a, again, a global organization. Uh, and we were creating a playbook together for bringing communities online, essentially, into digital communities. And I kept asking them about, like, well, how does a, how does a community member join? Like, what, like, how does that happen? And we weren't on the same page in the conversation. And uh, eventually, one of the client people said, oh, oh, uh, people don't just join communities. Communities don't just start. We tell people to start Mm -hmm. communities. Right. And so we were completely on different pages. So in that model, communities were very controlled. 
somebody decided there needed to be a community about this thing, Mm -hmm. assigned somebody to kind of quote unquote own the community and enforced membership and engagement in that community. That's a very top down traditional way of thinking about a community. And I would argue it's almost not a community, right? Like it's, it's a, it's enforced uh, learning environment, I guess, (laughs) maybe. Um, So communities uh, really are opt in. Mm -hmm. Like the whole thing about communities is you can't control them. You have to entice people to join. You have to excite them about what you're doing. And that's not how we think about management at all. So in our organizations today, we think about very uh, extrinsic motivators. Communities operate primarily on intrinsic motivations, meaning uh, how can I align what we're doing in the community with something that gives you something back as well? And so I'll use the example of uh, research I did this year shows that communities accelerate asynchronous work. Asynchronous work is fantastic because it's self-documenting. For those KM people, it's absolutely amazing because it self-documents implicit knowledge that has not been captured anywhere before. But for the individual, it does something really important for them, which is it gives them flexibility. They don't have to be on Zoom eight hours a day. And if they've got a kid pulling at their sleeve or they like need to run out and get groceries or whatever it is, they can do that. And so it reduces their stress of working. Um, So that's an example of a shared value. I will participate there because it allows me to do more of what I feel like I need to be doing. Absolutely. And I think you've, you've highlighted something that I think is a, a tension in and outside of KM, which is this kind of um, voluntary, organic um, way that people want to work, but also this need for organizations to um, have things be stable. Well, and I, I'll also add... Uh, the management role absolutely doesn't go away because there there are a lot of techniques of community management to make certain behaviors easy. And if you're you're doing a strategy, the job of the manager is to make certain behaviors really easy and make sure they're rewarded. Mm. So that's how you quote unquote control things or emphasize or get more of the behavior that you want. So you're not giving up governance, period. You're getting rid of some layers of very controlling, very specific requirements around how you report and who determines what the work is and all of that. But you're not giving up organizing things because that would be chaos. Absolutely. Yes. It just requires a different kind of of management, a a different way of approaching management, perhaps. Um, And I think that's a big question for for the future of KM. So that's the the last one that I wanted to ask you about. Where do you think KM will be in five years? Uh, I was thinking about this and I, uh, 
it it may not make sense to everybody, but it's a, a little analogous to the discussion of a DEI initiatives, which is they need to be everywhere. Hmm. That needs to be baked into management. KM needs to be baked into management. Managers need to understand how to prompt the conversations that matter, curate the information they have, turn that into explicit knowledge, and redo that cycle all over again. Because what happens if you look at adoption of technologies over the last century, the S-curve gets kind of higher and higher and faster and faster on the adoption side. And it's because communities are more, the world is more connected. And so that innovation happens much faster. Um, that, that happens really well if people, uh, if those managers understand KM at some degree. Right. Um, if you if you don't mind a quick little follow up one before we go, um, if if you could look into your your crystal ball even a little bit further out, let's say 10, 20 years, if all that stuff you talked about in the next five years comes to pass, that KM does become more diffused and infused across the business, what then happens to KM? Do you see us still having dedicated KM teams? that kind of serve the organization in a world where people are kind of applying this at the more individual and team level on their own? Yeah, so I, um, depending on how an organization structures this, KM can be community management and vice versa. But I've always said about community management, uh, it's like teaching. All good leaders do it. Some people do it professionally. Mm. and everybody does it at some level, right? So uh, that's kind of my answer, which is you, you're still going to need the professionals who kind of teach and support those people learning how to do it better so that they, like it's a discipline of leadership, right? Um, and that that discipline, everybody learns that discipline. It's not something people are like you're not born knowing KM, right? Like, or knowing how to deal with information. Um, so yeah, I still see a role for those centralized teams. It, it will look a little different, uh, just like those centralized community enterprise community teams. They're doing more enabling work than actual on the ground community management work. That's being distributed to team leads and, uh, other people around the organization. Absolutely. That makes a lot of sense. Um, awesome. Thank you so much for coming on the pod today, Rachel. I appreciate it, Mercy, and uh, thank you for having me. So if our listeners want to learn more about Rachel and her work, they should visit engagedorgs.com. Anything else you want to point folks to, Rachel? Uh, no, but I will tease a little bit, which is I am working on a report right now about uh, enterprise community management and how it's changed with COVID. And what's really interesting about that is for a decade on the enterprise internal side of communities, I haven't seen a lot of movement. There's always been some niche investment there, but it hasn't been widespread. Um, and 
it's always been a struggle to get investment. Mm. This year, we saw I saw a huge leap in uh, engagement and more importantly, investment from executives in community programs. So uh, that was really encouraging. And I'm seeing a lot of val- like interesting value generation and interesting behavior change accelerated by these community programs. Absolutely. And I'll note that in our trends research, we also found uh, investment in KM broadly going up. We didn't ask exactly where all that money was going, but um, yeah, it's a, it's a really exciting time for KM for sure. Well, once again, I'm Mercy Harper. Thanks for listening to this APQC podcast. To learn more about our research, check out apqc.org. Thanks again and have a great rest of your day. Mm-hmm.